Good to see all of y'all today. Um, we're going to, this morning, we're going to begin a new series that I'm just going to simply call 25. Uh, in the next three weeks, we're going to look at the three parables that Jesus tells that are in the 25th chapter of uh, Matthew's gospel. So we're going to begin this morning with the first one, uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 25, verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. And later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So Jesus starts us off with a parable that's about weddings. Uh, and, you know, weddings are pretty fascinating events. A lot of uh, unusual things sometimes happen at weddings, and nearly all of us who are preachers and have been for very long, have some interesting wedding stories. And so this morning I wanted to share with you my favorite wedding story that happened to me. Uh, it was years ago and it was a big wedding and it was a really a formal wedding. Uh, the, the grooms, you know, everybody was wearing tuxes and the bridesmaids had these beautiful dresses and the church was all decorated. And, uh, and it actually, it was full. I mean, that didn't always happen, but this, it was full of people. And when the bride came down the aisle with her father bringing her in, you know, to the music on a pipe organ, and it was, it was just, she was radiant. It was just beautiful. And they got to the front, and I was at the front with the rest of the wedding party. And I said those traditional words, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And her father very loudly said, her mother and I and American Express. <laughs> uh, fortunately, the bride started laughing, and so we all knew we could laugh and it was going to be all right. Probably one of the truer statements that's been made. But back then, weddings were a little different in New Testament times, and they lasted for days, and there were several different elements to the wedding ceremony itself. Um, apparently there was one part of the celebration where the bride and the bridesmaids waited at her father's house and then a procession would come along with the groom and they would um, go out and join them and then they would all go back to the groom's house where they would be living. And so they would sing and dance and celebrate along the way and this often happened at night and so the bridesmaids would have lamps or torches so that they could be able to see. So in this story that Jesus tells us, the bridesmaids are waiting, 
and uh, they have their lamps. They're waiting for the groom to arrive with the professional, and you, you, you know how grooms are. Uh, sometimes they're late. I also have a late groom story, but I'll save that for another day. Um, I read some commentaries that said there was even last-minute haggling uh, over the dowry that uh, it was a, a sign of honor that the father haggled with the groom. Uh, it showed how valuable the, the daughter was to the whole family and how much they hated to give her up. So sometimes there was some haggling going on that delayed things. And, um, and once again, I was in a wedding that was delayed because the in-laws were arguing. But that was a different situation totally than this one. Uh, so the groom apparently had been haggling for a while because it was about midnight before the groom and the procession made it to where the bridesmaids were. And um, five of them had brought extra oil to keep their lamps burning in case they needed it. Five of them did not. And so the five uh, that did not when they realized they were running out of oil, they asked the other five to share, which they said no, and they wouldn't. And so then five of the bridesmaids went out looking for oil, and by the time they got whatever they needed or came back, the bride, the procession had already gone, and they missed the party, and they missed everything. So what is this parable about? You know, I always grew up understanding that it was about being prepared, that this parable is about being prepared. But I'm wondering, I mean, is, is that really, I mean, is, is it just the Christian version of the Boy Scout motto, you know, that we should always be prepared? What, what in the world does Jesus mean by this parable? Because there's several things in the parable that I find really confusing. For example, what about the five bridesmaids who had oil but wouldn't share it with the ones who didn't? I mean, what's up with that? I mean, doesn't Jesus teach us to be generous? In this very gospel, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, we're told if someone asks of something, you give it to them. That we're told to live lives of generosity that we're supposed to share with those around us. But these five wouldn't share. So, um... You know, sometimes the parable is called the parable of the wise and foolish bridesmaids. I wonder if maybe it isn't the, the parable of the stingy and needy bridesmaids, um, the way it kind of unfolds. And then I thought maybe, maybe Jesus was telling us that, you know, personal readiness is something that can't be shared. Uh, it's something you can't give to someone else. I remember uh, in seminary, one day I went to class and we had a big test that day and I'd studied really hard and I would worked hard to be prepared for it. And a good friend of mine came in and he was just whistling and smiling and sat down next to me. And I said, man, you are in a good mood. You must really be ready for this test. And the smile turned to panic. And he said, that's not today, is it? And unfortunately, it was, and uh, it was too late because the professor had already seen him, so he couldn't sneak out. I wanted so bad, so badly I wanted to share my preparation with him, but I couldn't 
Because you, you can't do that. You're either prepared or you're not, and that's something you can't share with somebody else. Um, and then the same thing is, is true with the relationship with God. You can't lend yours to somebody else, and you can't borrow one from somebody else. That's something that you have on your own or you don't have on your own. You, you can't share it. And, you know, you can't borrow peace. You see some people that in the midst of difficult situations, they, they have peace in their life because they have regularly been cultivating peace in their life. And they've been growing in that area. They've been working on that. And so now they hit a hard spot and they have peace. And if that's never been a part of your life, never something you've worked on or cared about, you, you don't have it. And you can't borrow it from them. Because daily cultivating our relationship with God and practicing personal growth as a human being prepares us for difficult times in our lives. And if you haven't done that, then you can't borrow it from anybody else. So I don't, maybe Jesus is saying that personal preparation is something you have to do. You can't borrow that. Five of the bridesmaids were ready. And so while everyone else joined the possession, um, you know, the others went running out to find oil for their lamps and they ended up missing everything. And then when they finally showed back up at the door, they knocked on the door and in the parable he said that he opened the door and he said, uh, basically, you can't come in, I don't know you. And shut the door and they were left out. And that sounds really harsh. So I... I Again, what is, what is Jesus trying to tell us? I, I don't know, maybe, maybe he's telling us that um, if we aren't personally prepared for the opportunities that come our way, sometimes those opportunities are no longer available, and we've missed it, and there's nothing we can do about it. We seem to think that we have endless opportunities to fix things in our lives but the truth is we don't there's that relationship that we know needs working on there's some healing that needs to happen some things we need to do or say but we put it off because we'll we'll have more time there'll be some time to get around to it and then someone you love unexpectedly dies and you think of all the things you wanted to tell them but you never did. And we nurse this bad habit along, meaning to deal with it, and before we know it, years have passed, and it's robbed us of joy, and it's robbed us of opportunities. And then there's that good thing we need to do that we're going to do tomorrow. We're going to start, and we never do. We never get around to it because we think, oh, I'll always have time to do that. But then at some point, the door closes, and that opportunity is over. And we never get that opportunity again. So I don't know. Is that what the parable is about? You know, seize the day. If there's something you need to do, do it now because you don't know when the opportunity will be over. Don't put things off. I don't know. Maybe. You see, that's a great thing about parables is that they can mean different things. Um, that's why Jesus rarely explained them. He just kind of threw them out there for us to take and, and wrestle with and try to figure out what in the world do they mean to us. 
And, and sometimes it's interesting. I've noticed that I, a parable means something to me. And then years later, I can go back and read it again, and it means something else. So I think maybe Jesus expected them to work that way for us. So um, I was always pretty happy, actually, with this parable just meaning, you know, be prepared, be ready, or seize the day, because these opportunities may not always come our way. And then I heard this preacher named Nadia Bowles-Weber, who saw this parable in the most uh, interesting way I've ever heard anyone interpret it. And I don't know if she's right or not, but I thought I would share it with you. The parable is often called the parable of the wise bridesmaids and foolish bridesmaids. So why were the five foolish bridesmaids foolish? Were they foolish because they didn't bring oil? Or as Nadia says, are they foolish because they listened to the other five bridesmaids? <laughs> I mean, think about it. It was midnight. So they saw the processional coming, which means somebody had a light or a torch, or they wouldn't have seen it coming. So, so other people in the procession had torches, some kind of light. The, the five other bridesmaids had lamps with oil for their light. So I mean, why did everyone have to have a light? I mean, if you're walking down the street with a processional of people and a bunch of them have lights, you don't necessarily have to have one. If everybody else has got a flashlight and a lamp, why, why do you need yours? I thought it could have been the parable of the five wise bridesmaids who charged their phone and the five foolish bridesmaids who did not charge their phone and couldn't use the flashlight feature at the end. But you think you could walk with a friend. And since when has the gospel only been for those who were prepared? I mean, certainly it is for those folks. But isn't the gospel also for those who are unprepared? Isn't it for those whose lives are in a mess? Isn't it for those who never remember to charge the batteries? Maybe, you know, when they went to those other five bridesmaids, they told them, you can't come. You aren't prepared. So go and find some oil, then you can come and join us. Once you have the oil, then the, the groom will accept you. Maybe they were foolish for listening to them. Foolish for not believing that the groom would accept them anyway and that there would be light enough for them. Maybe if they had just gone to the groom and said, we're out of oil. He may have just said, get in line. It's okay. Come to the party. Who told you you couldn't come? <laughs> Who told you that you have to get your life all together before God will accept you? Who told you that you weren't smart enough or beautiful enough or lovely enough? Who told you that you have to deny who you are to serve God? Who told you that you are anything other than the beloved of God and you are welcome to the party? 
Now, I know how the parable ends. It ends with them getting there and the, bride, and the groom saying, no, you can't come in. I don't know you. But maybe that's the point. He didn't know them because they were out busy getting oil and getting everything, trying to get everything prepared. What if they just came to him on their own and said, here we are, we're in a mess. Then he would have known them. Who knows how different it might have been. So what does this parable mean? Does it mean we should always be prepared? Does it mean we should seize the day because opportunities don't last forever? Does it mean that it doesn't matter if we have it all together or not? Don't listen to what other people tell you and just approach Jesus yourself and see what happens. Or does it mean that bridesmaids lie? Don't trust them. <laughs> I don't really know what it means. But I guess that whatever God's Spirit has impressed upon you as you've listened this morning, that's what it needs to mean to you, at least for today.